are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is or welcome back. I am Bex and I am one of the hosts here and we love having conversations about faith and finance. And I am Simon. I'm the other half of today's conversation. And Bex and I are going to be continuing in our fourth season about money conversations. And Bex, what is today's topic of conversation? Well, it feels quite basic given the topic of the season, but remiss not to cover it, which is what does a good conversation about money actually look like? We've touched on it a bit already, but today we're going to flesh that out a little bit more. Okay, and I'm thinking maybe a couple of uh, key bullet points, things we're going to try and achieve today. Uh, We're going to start with identifying the purpose of the conversation, good starting point, and then what goes into making that conversation good, maybe kind of the ingredients that we're going to put into the mix. I'm thinking now about making a lovely conversation cake, and then what are the actions, what are the steps we have to do at the end of the conversation, and then of course there might be a a taste test at the end. Can you look back and go, yeah, that was a great cake. That was a great conversation. We achieved what we wanted to do. Is that good with you, Bex? Yeah, as soon as you mentioned cake, I was on board. So I am fully ready now for this conversation. Just need a cup of tea as well. (sighs) The dream. So why should we even bother having conversations about money? Simon, you do it all day long. I'm hoping that you have some reasons as to why we have conversations about money. Right, you've said it twice already. Why? Why? Um, If you can answer the question why, that gives you purpose. And if it gives you purpose, it gives you direction, it gives you context, and it gives you some kind of way of measuring, have I progressed? Have we reached conclusion? Uh, Are we better than we were before the conversation? So you need to think, why? Why do I want this conversation? And I reckon... There's a few different reasons that might spark the need for a conversation. So, Beck, see if any of these ring true for you. You might just be that you're quite interested in building a strong foundation, your understanding of money, your appreciation of money, your use of money. And to do that, you want to bounce ideas off somebody else. So general education around money could be a good conversation starter. It might be that you have some kind of goal in mind for the future. I want to buy some furniture or pay for a holiday or reduce my debt or go to university. And those things all have financial implications. So if you can pin your idea on the future goal you're trying to achieve, you've then got some questions you can ask somebody. That could be a second one. Uh, A third one might be, kind of reacting to a problem. Oh, I found that I've got an issue. A bill has come in unexpectedly or it's got bigger suddenly or I didn't get that pay rise I was hoping for and suddenly I haven't got as much money as I thought. So there's a problem that you want to talk to somebody about or just potentially we might get to crisis point. You know, actually my finances are not doing well and if I don't have a conversation with somebody, it's going down the drain. Can I have that conversation with you? Do they sound like good objectives, Bex? Yeah, that sounds like a really helpful starting point. Over the years, I've actually found that question of why really helpful. 
So often I would apply this in a kind of relationship situation. Maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a kind of pastoral situation. But to think about actually why am I having this conversation? I used to have a tendency to run away from difficult conversations and sometimes I can still fall back into that. But actually thinking about the why is really helpful because often the why is actually, I love that person, I want what's best for them, I don't think the current situation is what's best or I think there's an even better solution and if I have that conversation, we could move towards better health. And to me, it feels like it's kind of the same with money, whether we are looking to educate ourselves, whether we are looking to have a conversation with somebody else who's involved in our money or whether we're reaching out for more help from external sources, maybe people who have already experienced that, we're really looking at actually how do I move from this place to the future that I would like to be in. So the conversation becomes the mechanism by which we progress, we improve, we develop, we achieve our eventual goal. Bex, do you find it easy to identify the purpose of why? Well, that depends. Um, Sometimes I do. I think often if I take a step back, if I actually think about in my own life where I am and where I want to be, or if I'm thinking more strategically, I can spot that. I can be quite emotionally driven. So sometimes if I'm too caught up in that, or actually just if I don't have time to think, if I'm so busy that I'm running from one thing to the next to the next, I will definitely struggle to identify the need or the why of those conversations. And so sometimes for me, it's just about hitting pods and assessing where things are at and where I would like them to be and then creating action off the back of that. And we touched on those kind of things in the past couple of episodes, the idea of sometimes you need to create space to have good conversations. And we've touched on this, but I reckon there's probably more things that we could be aware of that would make a conversation about money great rather than just something we kind of have to deal with. So Bex, give me a couple of suggestions. What are the ingredients that maybe you would like to have in a really good money conversation? Well, I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit first and say we are a podcast about faith and finance. And so I think it would be really helpful to have conversations that are based on godly biblical principles kind of guiding us. So Simon, what does that look like? What are the kind of things we're looking to include in that kind of sphere? Well, I suppose if we take our own personal lives and then think, how would God have me use my money? What decisions does he want me to make with money? And we come back to topics like stewardship. Everything is God's. He gives it to us and asks us to be good stewards of it. That straightaway leads into giving, and there's lots of conversations about giving to be had. But then with what you haven't given, you have to decide, well, then what? Of my money, how much of it should I be spending on myself or on others? Uh, How much should be going towards where I live and the car I drive and the holidays I have and the clothes I wear and the food I buy and the children I raise? Wow, it goes on. And if we can enter any conversation with at least half of our head thinking, what does God think about this? And the other half thinking, what do I think about this? What's my tendency? And the other half, and you'll realize we've got three halves now, is asking that other person in the conversation, what do you think? Between the three of us now, God included, we might just get to a better outcome than 
what I think goes. Absolutely. And so often in these conversations, and actually particularly when maybe there's big emotions involved, it is so easy to cut God out of that conversation and to almost bury our heads in the sand if we're stressed. And so even just thinking about, actually, am I inviting God into this conversation is a great starting ingredient. Simon, what else are you throwing into this conversation cake? I'm about to say something back to you, Bex. You've said twice now about emotion and about being aware of your own emotion in the conversation. Now, that might be, I think, an emotion to do with money, or it might be emotion to do with the why, the purpose. Bex, why have you said emotion twice now? What's important about that in these conversations? I think it's really important to be aware of both the emotions we or the other person or other people are carrying because it helps us have productive conversations by naming that, by being aware of it. So I know that money can be an anxiety-provoking conversation, either for myself or for other people. Then when that starts to crop up or when I'm acting from a place of, oh my goodness, I'm really anxious about this and I just want to make a decision, actually it almost sends a trigger in my brain to pause and to think, is this the best response or am I responding from an emotion? And so I think what can be a really helpful practice is before one of these conversations to think, actually, what emotion am I bringing into this? What am I hoping to achieve? And is some of that actually an emotional response? Is that right or wrong? And even just by being aware of the emotions we might bring, we can then sometimes counter them where it's necessary because we don't always make the best decisions when we are driven by our emotions. The way uh, you're talking there, and I think the way we've spoken about in a couple of previous episodes, it kind of puts a massive weight on these money conversations. They're always very emotive and and can be quite challenging. But I think emotion comes in in other ways as well. And I've got this picture in mind almost of when I was dating my wife, Vicky, before we were going out, maybe even before we were engaged and, you know, taking her out for dinner. And I'm thinking, well, where do I take her? Do I go to McDonald's or do we go to the Silver Darlings? And am I going to pay or are we going to go Harvey's? And these are the start of not massive emotional conversations, but hey, that could be an emotion driven by maybe love, desire, friendship, and bringing those emotions to the forefront of your mind might help you have more honest and realistic conversations. You know, I'd love to take you out for dinner, but I can only afford to take you too. Oh yeah, but I could join in and we could go there. And everybody has a better outcome. But they can be quite difficult conversations to have, even in those smaller ways. But if we are vulnerable, I think it helps the other person to equally be vulnerable back to us. And even with those positive emotions, they're great and we want to celebrate them and we want to celebrate that other person, but we don't want to do that in a way that then harms us. So you don't want to spend all your month's money on one great meal and then actually you struggle to pay for food for the rest of the month. And so I guess that brings us to another ingredient, which is that, as you said, we need to be vulnerable, we need to be honest, and we also need to be realistic. So Simon, talk to us about how can we be realistic in a money conversation? Well, imagine yourself in a situation, Bex, where you get a a text or a call from a friend saying, hey, Bex, we're going out. Uh, We're going to go out for a meal. We're going to go out for a drink. We're going to go to a movie. Do you want to come with us? And in that moment, your desperate answer is, yes, I want to do that. I want to hang out with you guys. 
but a little alarm bell is ringing in the back of your mind saying, I'm not sure I can really afford to keep up with these guys. Now, are you in a place where you can say, I would love to, but but I can't do that. I can't afford to go out with you. You know, payday is next week for me, or I don't have the income that you have. Now, you can't always have those conversations, but maybe you can try and get the same outcome in a different way. I'd love to hang out with you guys, but hey, why not come back to my house and we'll watch a movie? You can get the same outcome, but maybe without publicizing the issue of money, which can be quite embarrassing, actually, or reverse it. Maybe somebody you know, you think, I'd like to hang out with them, but they can't afford to do the things that I want to do. Can we reach out and say, hey, could we come and hang out with you? Or do you want to come around to our house and watch a movie? Those kind of realistic interactions build a real strength of relationship from which we can build better money conversations. Absolutely. Having been self-employed since I left university, actually it's forced me to tackle a lot of those head on. Most of my friends have a fixed salary every month and so they can budget on that, they can plan on that. But as I sometimes have to tell people, actually if I don't work, I don't get paid. And so sometimes it's a case of, oh, we all want to go out for dinner. Actually, it'd really help me if we planned that a bit in advance so that I can make sure I'm setting aside the money for that because I want to prioritize that. What you said there, which is really interesting, is how in a quite simple way you have made a purpose, I'd like to go out for a meal, maybe once a month with my friends, but that leads to a conversation with them and yourself to some extent, how can I make that happen? And you're now having to do this kind of budgeting thing we've talked about in the past. I will set money aside every week, every month until I can have enough to do that thing that I want to do. But surely, Bex, especially when you're having a conversation with somebody perhaps in a different financial circumstance or a different background, the thing that you're trying to achieve could be very different from the thing that they are trying to achieve. How do you enter a conversation with a purpose in mind without causing a clash between different opinions? That is a very good question. I think there is a piece in that about being thoughtful, about thinking about where the other person is coming from and thinking about their desires and also thinking about actually are we going to have different values here and if so where does that all fit? So I know for instance my non-Christian friends are not necessarily giving away the same proportion of their income once a month because they don't give to a church and so their finances look different to mine. That is totally okay. I'm not gonna go and influence their values but I do need to think about actually we maybe have different incomes and different priorities with our money so where can we meet in the middle? So maybe that is rather than going to the really really expensive restaurant we meet in the middle there and so sometimes it's just a case of assessing what we are both prioritizing, what we both value. And then like any decision, sometimes it requires a bit of compromise. So Bex, your personal attitudes and beliefs towards money, for example, that idea that you give regularly to the church that you're part of, that defines the foundation on which you begin to make money decisions. Not everybody has those same beliefs. 
when you enter a money conversation with somebody, would you, for example, tell them, well, actually, the first thing I do with money is I give it away. Are you comfortable doing that? Is that scary? Is that a witness? Is it too aggressive? How do you bring those kind of things into conversations if you've ever had the chance? I think it purely depends on the relationship you have with that person as so many factors in a conversation do. So if I meet someone for the first time, I'm not going to say, hey, do you know I give away a percentage of my money to charity? Because that would be arrogant and ridiculous. But I have had opportunities, say with close friends who aren't Christians, where actually in this example, my friend was asking me about who would you potentially see yourself with or would you consider dating a non-Christian? And one of the things for me was actually we might have quite different values. And so, for instance, I might see how I want to spend my money in a different way to how a non-Christian may want to spend their money. So an important thing for me would be giving an amount to church every month. And I can't expect a non-Christian to do the same and so maybe we wouldn't be compatible on that level and so actually in a wider conversation ultimately money became a factor in that. So we've kind of talked so far about trying to define this purpose of a conversation what is it we're trying to achieve we've spoken about some of the ingredients about having a mindset of what the bible says what does god say about money about being open and honest with people about our emotions our financial position being realistic with ourselves, not denying the truth. Money does not grow on trees unless you're a landscape gardener. But we only have so much to use and we have to use it wisely. We need to be thoughtful and quite deliberate. And then sometimes different values come into play. So if we're going to have a conversation with somebody about money, we've got an objective in mind. How do you prepare the ground for that conversation, Bex? How do you make sure we're giving it the best chance. If we want this one conversation to lead to a great outcome, we want it to be a good conversation. What kind of things would you also add into the mix? So I think we touched on some of these in episode one, but things that can be really helpful to consider are where and when you're going to do this. So if you are having a really stressful day, you've been up since five o'clock, you're not feeling great, everything's gone wrong, that's probably not the ideal time for your flatmate to then sit you down and say, hey, we need to talk about bills. And so therefore that conversation might not be super successful. So thinking about a time that suits for both parties, if you're trying to come to an agreed outcome and a place. So you may not want to be somewhere where you're overheard if you're going to be talking about in-depth facts and figures you may not want to be interrupted by your children in that moment if it's a complicated matter that you're going to give your full attention to Simon what other practicalities should we consider I'm going to go almost completely opposite as well and say there are some times when you have almost a captured audience and again I'm now thinking about my children you know in a car journey going on holiday might not be the best time to have certain financial conversations but it could absolutely be the right time to have other conversations. We might talk to the kids and say, hey, we want to go on a holiday this year and we've only got so much money to spend. What would you like to do? And now suddenly there are five opinions coming into play. There's three kids, there's me, there's Vicky. And Vicky and I have some of the knowledge. We know how much it costs to go to pick your Disneyland of choice. 
We know how much it costs to fly rather than drive. We know we can only get holidays at certain times of the year. And actually, that knowledge really informs the decisions that we have made almost before we come to the conversation. But my children don't have that knowledge. Sometimes my work colleagues don't have the same knowledge. Friends at church don't have the knowledge. That idea of what do you know about the situation can really define the quality of the conversation and the output of the conversation. And I think sometimes you have to start with a knowledge sharing. You know, we'd like to decide what is our budget going to be for the month ahead. Well, we need to know how much money is coming into this household, whether it's a family or a couple or flatmates. And then we need to know what are the essentials going out and then what are the discretionary spends where we have a bit of choice, a bit of freedom. But that knowledge plays a really important part. And I've had conversations where I've not been party to some of the knowledge. And I'm going down one avenue and I'm getting rebuffed and I'm getting grief. And then someone says, but didn't you know? No, nobody told me that. That would have been quite helpful early on. And that knowledge sharing also empowers people to be part of that financial decision, but also future financial decisions and to think about actually, how do we make decisions when it comes to money? I can think of examples working with young people where we are developing young people as leaders, we're bringing them into team meetings and we're saying, hey, what are your ideas? What would it take to make that a reality? Would it take people? Would it take money? Would it take time? And sometimes some of the ideas are not realistic for our budget. And so it's having that conversation being like, I love that creativity. These are our constraints. So that's not necessarily going to work. But how can we take some of those factors or some of your thoughts in that? Or how can we change the idea to fit within these constraints? And not only does that empower in this situation the young people, but it also grounds them in that reality we talked about earlier. Reality is a constant decision. What choice to take out of so many? We'll go back to that earlier example. You're with your friends. What will we do tonight? And loads of ideas. Oh, we could go out for a movie, go out for a meal. We could go to the pub. We could stay in and play Monopoly. We could watch TV. All ideas are good ideas, but then there is a choice to be made. We can't do all these things. If we go out for a movie, we can't afford to buy pizza. If we buy pizza, then we could afford to buy some drinks in. And I think we do that in different ways with flatmates, with friends, with colleagues at work. Yeah, I could buy that nice new computer for my desk, but it means we've got no budget for the marketing this month, that kind of stuff. And actually, some people don't get that there are choices, a finite budget. How do we come to the best decision given knowledge, given financial resources, given hopefully a godly input in our conversation? So Bex, I think to begin to wrap things up, if we got to the end of a conversation, how would we finish it off in a really good way so that both parties feel, yeah, that was well worth doing? I think as in any conversation, it can be really helpful to reflect back what you've heard and what you've said so that the other person can either be like, yep, I agree with that. Or actually, I didn't quite say that. I said this thing so that you're all on the same page when you wrap up that conversation. 
And often with money, it requires action. And so it may be a case of saying, we're going to set these couple of things that we individually or collectively need to do. Is that where it ends, Simon? We've done it and we never have to do it again? Or is it a case of revisiting those conversations? It depends on the topic. So some conversations you might say, hey, we just decided we're going to the movies and off you go, you spend your money, job done. You can't undo that conversation. Hey, but it might be, right, we've agreed to set aside £50 a month and we're going to buy a new sofa later on this year. Fantastic. Well, who's going to set the money aside? Where are they going to do it? Is it in cash or a new bank account? And then you have to assess as time goes by. Hey, look, we saved up oh, £500. It's time to go and buy the sofa. Well, it is, except the car just broke down. We need to fix that, which is now more important but this is my sofa budget and I've already chosen which sofa I want and which color it is. So the conversation might go round and round and round actually until the money is spent. And some of the conversations will be really long because the goal is really long. It might be, I want to save up to retire in 20 years time. That's a really long conversation and it gets more and more intense as you get closer to the moment of spend. Or we're going to go on a holiday, but actually the holiday involves lots of little decisions, all of which add up together. So I think you're absolutely right. Get on the same page, make some actions, decide who's going to do the actions, maybe even check in that they've been done, even possibly, and this is getting quite formal, so you might do it informally, make a note in your diary, make an alarm on your phone. You know what? In a few weeks' time, let's just have a cup of coffee, chat about this thing. Are we happy? with a decision that we made in that conversation a while ago. Once the back of the conversation has been broken, I think it's easier to keep going a bit at a time. And Simon, if somebody is listening to this and they're feeling super nervous about a conversation about money, but they know that they need to have it, as a man who has a lot of conversations about money, does it ever get easier or will it always feel like, oh my goodness, this is a big deal? Circumstance plays such a huge part. Money is emotive. It's something that's not entirely in our control. Things happen to us and we have to respond to that. Most people I come across do struggle to talk about money. It takes them a lot of effort to actually begin a conversation, whether with a professional like me, with a spouse, with a parent, with a child. It's not easy. So if you struggle, that is normal. The person you're speaking to probably also struggles. And you might be that person who opens the door to a wonderful conversation that brings you both into a place of greater freedom and greater purpose, greater deliberation with your money, that you can do the right thing with it. So yeah, it might be scary. Don't run away from that. Acknowledge it to yourself. And like you said before, Bex, acknowledge it to the other person and then start small building towards those more difficult conversations. However, if you're in a crisis position right now, don't wait. Find a professional, find a debt advisor. There's lots of them out there who will give you free, confidential, superb advice, which will set you on a path to financial freedom. And that's where we want everybody to be. Absolutely. And it sounds like it might be helpful to pick up on some of those relationship dynamics and how money and conversations play a part in that. So we're going to do that in a future episode. 
In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or drop us a message on Instagram at whereyourtreasureispodcast. And that's it for this week. I am looking forward to picking up this conversation next time, Simon. Thank you, Bex, for a great conversation. Thank you, listeners. Listen in next time for more Money Conversations on the Where Your Treasure Is podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go. Thank you.